All right, so welcome to the, probably the second episode of what I'm now calling Tie Pods. And I have with me Garrison. And Garrison, I'm sure you can introduce yourself, but Garrison and I met at the very last NATM. So that's the trailer conference. And mm -hmm. it's super funny because Garrison seems to be like the complete opposite of me in terms of <laughs> entrepreneurial We've had opposite journey. lives, yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, Garrison Snell um, was formerly of the, music, of the music industry, the entertainment industry, now of the manufacturing and industrial industries, I guess. And uh, I run a family office. So we own a bunch of manufacturing and industrial companies. I sold a music company to get me there. And um, yeah, we basically switched roles, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, because I started out in the trailer industry and I'm still kind of, I'm still part of the trailer yeah. industry, but now I'm moving into the entertainment yeah. industry, running an artist group. Yeah, Whereas for you, you started in music yeah. and then now you're in trailer and manufacturing. Completely. I got the heck out of music, man. So yeah, have fun, have fun <laughs> for me in it, please. Have fun well, for me. Why are you me. saying that? What's, what's wrong with the music industry? It's uh, I just have a hard time with it, man. I mean- so do you, do you know much about the agency that we started? I told no, no, you no. Story. Tell me about like what you did. Okay, yeah. Okay. So we had a marketing agency. Um, primarily we were running digital advertisements for country artists, Christian artists, pop artists. And so, I mean, they'd have a release. They'd come to us and say, here's an ad budget, handle our Facebook ad placement, our Google ad placement, YouTube ad placement, try to generate traffic onto the release, uh, as well as the, whatever the merchandise associated with the release was, or there was a tour, the tickets. And it's, a. Uh, um, it's an industry where, in my experience, my very limited experience with it, it's an industry that um, if you're not cool, you have a hard time with it. And I can't say that I was. I, I know exactly you know what, what you mean. I know exactly and, what and, you mean. And the, 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 it's not so much that there's a premium for working with artists. There's a discount for getting to work with artists. So, I mean, the artist clients that we had, it was uh, to do the same work for a brand, you'd be paid 10 times that. We had one artist, very popular, um, lives in Nashville and LA that we did a release for that threw a fit over $3,500 a month doing the same work for a large skincare brand. They paid us easily $35,000 a month at a long-term contract. And it wasn't, it, 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 the, the rationale was, well, you can use me as a reference or you can put me on the website as someone you've worked with. And I'm like, it doesn't sell. I just selling, pay the bills. No, I'm literally just <laughs> right. selling to other people like you who are saying the same thing. And it, I had a hard time with it. Um, but funnily enough, a lot of the folks who I worked with in music have contributed capital to the acquisitions we've made outside of music. No way. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, quite a bit. So we've acquired now about $30 million worth of industrial companies. And about 15% of that have been folks from the music industry uh, contributing that money to the deals. Really? Yeah, yeah. I did, I would not expect that. Because yeah, publishers, from, artists, booking agents. From what yeah. I've like, kind of understood, a lot of the very well-established um, professionals in the music space, they like to diversify mm -hmm. their, their monies because yeah. entertainment is very, very, I would say, it's inconsistent. <laughs> it's, it's a, that's and not only inconsistent, a diplomatic but word it's also for it, yeah. unreliable yeah. because yeah. you never know, tomorrow you can be irrelevant. Yeah, correct. Right. And yeah. that's, I think that's the scary part about the entertainment. Oh, business. Oh, it is. And so many of the artists that I know, and then their managers, they, when they, I mean, they sell a song catalog or they make some money and they say, okay, I got to put this somewhere else. I just had a conversation last week with a guy who signed to Sony Nashville. Um, he was, I think on the voice and he, um, told me he had the largest, uh, 
advance that Sony Nashville has ever given an artist. Wow. And it was significant. And he called, he called me through a friend of mine and said, Hey, what, how do I, where do I put this money? How do I invest this? Where do I put it? It's not in music. And we had some conversations about different places he could contribute it and ways he could do it. But so I guess that's a lesson to artists. Like once the, you make money, yeah. put it in some places. places. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the theme seems to be once a creator makes, makes money, significant money. Uh, there is some intelligence in my opinion in finding a place elsewhere to place it. And their managers, the good managers that I know seem to uh, encourage them to do so. Hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I'm in a deal right now with an artist and his manager and about 25 other guys. So you're still in the music industry still? And not, not exactly. Like, so I, I have a lot of friends there okay. and when they do deals, they invite me into it. And when I do deals, I invite them into it. Ah, so it's mutually more, beneficial. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not trying to sell them either anymore. Like we're just friends. You right. know? So I'm not trying to sell them to buy advertising services or whatever, uh-huh. but this deal we've got, we've bought a bunch of, um, 14,000 barrels of, uh, bourbon from a bourbon distributor in, okay. or a bourbon brand distiller in uh, Kentucky. And for basically we have a locked in price on those barrels for four years, we'll hold them. And then the contracts will be sold for about three times what we bought them for. Ooh, um, wow. And it's, it's a three X investment on 14,000 barrels. Yeah. It's about a $15 million total investment. Um, and it's the, the way it, it's a little complicated, but basically the way it works is you're buying supply that won't come to fruition until four years later and the the, the bet is that there's still going to be a a lack of supply of a certain type of of spirit and that there are going to be plenty of brands out there who just need the juice and which which it's and it's it's true it's it's a very common thing you wholesale this stuff i mean it just sounds like you have a lot of investments in a lot of different areas i do have that one so what is what's like, how are you able to do that? Because I feel like a lot of people, when they invest, they feel like they need to be the expert on something before they invest. So how are you investing in so many different areas and also being successful? Because yeah. you were talking to me, to me about like a recent acquisition, mm-hmm. which is super lucrative based yeah, on what very, you were telling me. So like, good, yeah. how, are you, how are you able to like go in so many different places and be successful at the same time? Oh, it's a good question. I, um, let me think about that. That's the best way to describe it. I think the the key to what we've done well so far has been having a very uh, strong philosophy, a framework by which we make decisions and sticking to that. And so I'll I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, There's a a book from the early 1900s called The Intelligent Investor. It was written by a guy named Benjamin Graham. He's a Jewish guy who immigrated to the U.S. His parents lost everything in the stock market. um, And he, he sought to define investing uh, in a way that would protect, um, always protect your investment. Basically, he said anything um, that he, he defined investing as it must uh, provide the safety of principle and it must provide an adequate cash return. Anything else is speculation and the safety of principle being the key piece of that. And uh, so he, uh, he's called the father of value investing. Warren Buffett was his uh, student of his at Columbia University. Really? Yeah. Okay. So Benjamin Graham is the, is the consummate father of value investing, wrote the intelligent investor. He wrote uh, security analysis and uh, many other books. And that's the philosophy we follow. We look at everything and go, can I see logically durably that this thing I'm going to put money into, it'd be very, very unlikely that it'll ever permanently lose its value. Mm. Um, and, and does it, promise what I, does it promise the safety of that principle promise being the key word? And then am I happy? Is there an adequate return? It doesn't have to be a 10 X return, 
But I mean, on our manufacturing facilities, we earn about 20% on what we've invested every year. 20? 20%. Yeah. That's a huge. It's fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I, I would, I would love to compound 20% for right. the rest of my life. Exactly. Like that would be great. You yeah. Know? Um, so, I mean, I came up and you may do as well in the last 15 years or so investing was venture capital. Right. It was put it into a tech company. You're going to get a 10X or 100X return, whatever it is. And it's just a lot older than that. Right. And even know? angel investing where there's just so mm -hmm. much risk, which is why I'm kind of boggled at like these different investments that you're making, even though they're at a much larger scale, mm -hmm. how they're they're producing such consistent returns. I mean, they're old businesses, right? I mean, one business I own is 112 years old. It's like literally, it literally went through the Great Depression. <laughs> so, I mean... I don't know. I um, And are you getting lucky as far as finding and having conversations with them when they're ready to sell? Because like normally when you hold on to a business that long, you want to keep on holding on, yeah, right? It's, they it's don't normally want to let go. So how are you How are you even coming to these opportunities? It's a good question. Um, they are uh, usually in some sort of life situation or dire straits situation with their health. Um, and... Um, in many cases, they've gone through three or four generations already, and there's just no one who wants the business. Oh. Uh, so you've got a founder or say it. I mean, I've bought plenty of third generation businesses who they've run it okay, and the kids have gone on and done something and else. Research and, shows that third generation, anything past third generation, yep. I think there's only like a, what, a 5% a success rate yeah. or some stupid not low good. number like it's that not good. after three generations. Yeah, and I mean… It's just not good. I mean, in many cases, the kids just have no interest. In many cases, also, the, the guy running it previously didn't do a great job. Um, but there's you got to look and look for, like, what are the fundamentals of the business? Like, there are there are things about each of the ones we bought that, are, that make them really strong businesses. Um, they are not speculative. I'm buying them for well less than what they earn and what their asset value is. Um, but I had to look at a lot of them. I mean, I've bought five in the last four years um and we've looked at about 400 so i mean it's, hmm. it's a lot of businesses and um many of them are crap you know many of them are terrible and but are they profitable yeah so ours ours are not terrible ours are great but yeah some of them are profitable but so you're just able to elevate it because people it sounds like after the third generation they just lack the passion and care so you bring that back in right? yeah that, that, that is quite a lot of it actually um i mean in the case of new deal uh our trailer business uh, they, it's a, we make trailer parts. We've talked about it. Um, they were actively turning away business. So like the owner said, I'm going to do this much in sales a year. And I'm happy with that. And I'm happy. And he was actively turning it away, oh. which he didn't realize was like, that's very detrimental to his sales efforts in yes. the future. Like, I mean, it, it just it's was demotivating. Not, it's too, yeah. Uh, yeah. The employees were like just ho-humming along and it was. It, there was no spirit in the place. So yeah, I'm actually curious: is New Deal um, a large percent of your time invested, or are uh, you not? Not really. Yeah. So you just kind of sparsely, you know, populate your attention and your mm. time and energy and all the different businesses within your family office. Correct. Yeah. I mean, year to year, um, most of my time is spent in the acquisitions. It's finding, evaluating, so you, and you're doing the fun stuff. Yeah, I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I would love I, to do that. I'm not there yet. Well, and the truth is, I have reserved that for me explicitly. Like <laughs> I've basically given you know Natalie and, and the rest of my team um, the 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 other function. And buy me in some of those deals, though. Oh, I mean, dude, I absolutely will because we have um, a group of about 30 LPs that contribute between 
10,000 and 200,000 per person into our deals. That's and very, very small amounts. I know it is. And it's so like, that's like not a very nope. high. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's very doable. I'll make sure know. you know about it. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Uh, but the one we just closed two days ago, we raised uh, 2.4 uh-huh. and uh, from a group of guys uh, men and women, and it was a total of 18 million. So, oh, wow. you know, so not all that much relative to what the, um, the acquisition price was. So, a lot of my viewers are on the younger end of the spectrum, sure. you know, from 15 to 24. So let's dumb down this conversation a little okay, bit. We'll do it. When it comes down <laughs> to, um, let's, I want to talk a little bit about inflation, okay. right? With inflation, uh, I've talked to some of my viewers a little bit about how, you know, every single year, the value of money actually drops. Yep. That's what inflation is. Yeah. So if you keep your money in the bank, you're actually losing money. Yep. Right. And so what would you say is the most intelligent thing for people who are kind of just coming either in school still or coming mm-hmm. out of school to help? deal with this inflation every single year, especially with how inflation rates are right now, what yeah. what would you what would your advice be to them? I have a really boring suggestion, but I, I will I have two suggestions. Okay. Um the key to beating inflation is uh, the same key that every society has to beat inflation. So okay, let me back up a little bit. Um if you if America and its corporate earnings grow at a rate that's faster than inflation every year, uh, measured over a 10 year period, it is, we're, we're growing. We're not having a recession, right? We're growing. Right. Um, the only way to track with that is to index your money against all of those other businesses. And so what do you do? There's products out there. The S&P 500 index fund is a very basic product and you can put a hundred bucks into it and it will track along with America's best businesses and over the course of time, you will do exactly as well as America's best businesses do. That's uh, a good way to look at that. That, that's, that is precisely what it is. Okay. It is, it is it, it, from an uh, investment standpoint, not debt, from an, an equity investment stock market standpoint, it's the gold standard for the safest vehicle that you can put your money into. And as long as you're willing to be patient, you will compound that money at about 6% a year over the course of your life. That's what history has shown us over the last 100 years or so. Um, the other way to combat inflation is to lend your money to people or institutions at a rate higher than inflation. So if I can lend my friend a thousand dollars at six percent, and inflation's two percent, I'm, I'm, I've, I've beat it. Do you see what I'm saying? Essentially, um, if you if you go and you buy, let's say you open a, a just a, a, a Fidelity account or an E Trade account, and you put a thousand dollars into it. You can find the S&P 500 Vanguard Index Fund. It's from Vanguard, which is a very low-cost um, provider of these funds. Uh, and you put it in that, you'll pay very, very little for it. Um, I think it's a two hundredths of 1%. I don't remember what the, the key is. It's very, very low on your assets under management. And you'll compound it pretty much exactly what America's businesses are going to grow at for the for the rest of America. So, do you think that like uh, you know a student that has you know a few hundred dollars in their bank account, they can do this? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and if they're in, if they're patient, and they live at or below their means, and they put money away into that, starting it as early as they can, Mm -hmm. you cannot help but become extraordinarily wealthy. I mean, it is, it, it will take some time, but I would be surprised if you take someone who contributes $1,000 a year for the first 20 years of their life compounding, they'll probably end up with close to a hundred grand by the time they're done with that two decade period. Hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty absurd. If you've never run a compounding, just, and it's easy, like I could explain how to do it. Take your phone calculator and put a number, a hundred dollars, 
multiply it by 1.06, and then hit the, hit the equal sign 20 times. That's the number you'll have at the end of 20 years and on 6% return. And that's what you'll get by being in the S&P 500 index Yeah, fund. so let's, let's actually let's do, do that it. real quick. Yeah. <clears throat> Very so, simple. Let's say you have $1,000 in your bank account, yep. right? And you know the annual- uh, 6%. 6% increase compounded. Yep, 1.06. So that's multiplied by 1.06. Hit it that's 20 times. 1, times. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, so that after 20 years, that original $1,000 is $3,200. Right, and that's not even considering you putting any, any additional. Extra. Hit it another 20 times. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. You see how fast it's jumping at the, in the last 20 years? So it, if you graph it, the first little bit of a compounding graph is very slow. Mm -hmm. The second little bit ramps and it becomes so exponential. It's exponential. It's exponential. So you're looking at, let's say, a $1,000 investment, just $1,000. Over 40 years. Over 40 years, that's 10 grand. 10x. 10 grand. It's 10 10x. 10x. Correct. And that it, it, you're not doing anything special. So what you're doing is you're literally just forgetting it. You're right. just saying, I'm by putting it in the index fund, you're betting on um, America's businesses continuing to do what they've done for the last couple hundred years. And I think that one of the things that very this simple. generation lacks is the, um, everybody loves instant gratification yep. nowadays, especially with our phone, social media and whatnot. Yep. Um, I feel like what we're losing is what I like to call distant gratification, mm -hmm. right? And so would you say that has kind of played to your successes? It has. Um, of all the value investors I've studied, the, the key among all of them is extreme patience. Um, it's, uh, it is... Not something we talk a lot about. It's not very sexy, but it, it is, it's, a, it's an extraordinary discipline. And I'm still not great at it. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I have looked at hundreds of businesses that I thought were fantastic, but there was a piece or two that just didn't smell right. And I was like, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And being willing to say no and wait for the right hits, to wait for the, as Buffett says, wait for the fat pitch that comes in and hit it. Mm -hmm. You just got to wait. And the key is to wait and be learning every day, looking, digging, digging, but not to delude yourself, not to, not to like go, ah, it looks, it looks okay. It looks pretty good. I can convince myself to do it. Right. You got to have that, that criteria that says, here is my criteria and I will not compromise on it. Mm. And we have a very strict criteria and I'm comfortable looking at 400 businesses and choosing four or five. You so know? what is one last thing that you feel like if you can give one message to my viewers out there, mm -hmm. what would you tell them? As it pertains to investing? As it pertains to just really anything. Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're successful yeah, in your yeah, own yeah. right. And I do have a lot of viewers who want to be entrepreneurs or sure. just want to be successful in general. What would you say is some good advice for them? Uh, the thing that's been the most um, impactful on my success so far has been my willingness to... <laughs> dig in very deep and learn very thoroughly the things I'm trying to do. So read, learn, and don't give up. Don't stop. Don't the first time you read the intelligent investor or read the book, you're going to go, what the heck is this? Read it again and again and again, read it four or five times and you will get it. And it's just, most people give up when it starts to, when it starts out a little hard. And I, I mean, I was, I had to repeat eighth grade algebra. Like I, I, I'm not good at math and I do finance for a living. <laughs> That's you know? crazy. So it's just because I've, I've uh, dug in and I've learned. But another I, thing that I don't think that um, we mentioned is I'm 24 and you're 29. 29. Yeah. Right. Correct. So we're yeah. both very, young. it's not like, yeah. it's not out of, out of reality or out of grasp oh, that no, a no, younger no, person could be successful. hundred percent not. I mean, I sold my first business when I was 24. And so that was when I sold the marketing company and um, I just turned 29 two months ago, but I Happy think that if, 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the differentiator between me and a lot of the folks I went to school with was I was willing to uh, not give up after the first try, you know, and like the, and learn. Um, and there are great people out there that model this stuff. You just got to go find them and, and then dig I'm in. Actually curious. What was your first big break? Like my first big break obviously was TK trailer parts. Yeah. I, I started yeah. that business with a thousand dollars and nothing. Yeah. Right. And that was what, how I came to what I have today in capital no. infusions and how I'm able yep. to do that. Right. Yep. What was your first, like what, what um, happened? I owe everything I have today to a, an old country artist named Ronnie Dunn of a band called Brooks and Dunn. Uh, when I was 19 and I went to Belmont university in Nashville, um, he hired me to run all this marketing and I worked out of his house from the time I was 19 until I got just about before I graduated. Uh, and he let me learn digital marketing. He paid from the laptop. I still use. He bought me. No way. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's still used. It's about almost 10 years old at this point. Wow. It, it's awesome. It, it runs great. <laughs> um, and he essentially financed my ability to learn how to do what I was doing uh, and build that marketing agency that I then sold. And so, so it was him. were you building your marketing agency whilst? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I learned a lot from him. He was kind of my first client, I guess right. you would say. And then he, in conversations, encouraged me to go out and do it myself. Oh, that's so agency. awesome to have somebody to encourage you. To yeah. That. And I mean, he, he paid me well and gave me a good opportunity and bought me equipment and, and said, I basically gave me two years to learn. Um, you know, without that, I, I still probably could have figured it out, but not nearly as fast. Great. So anyways, well, that's I, all I, we I have ramble. for the day, man. Yeah. No, I really appreciate Thanks it. For having it's been me, a pleasure. Dude. Good to see you, man. Dude, good to Thanks see you too. Me. Yes. Yeah. And that is your episode for Tide Pods. Hope you enjoyed and look forward to the next few.